0: You're listening to The Seaworthy Podcast, Episode 15, Collaborative Design for Startups. Seaworthy is a podcast about building successful software. Today, we're talking about how collaborative design can push your product and business further with Karim Sewer of Carbon Health. I'm excited to have Karim on the show with me today. Karim is the VP of Design at Carbon Health, a company helping make patient-centric, world-class healthcare accessible. Karim has helped design experiences for companies like Fitbit, Dropbox, MyFitnessPal, Adobe, Zendesk, and more. Welcome to the show, Karim. Thanks for coming. Hey, thanks for having me. How was your break? We're we're just recording here after uh, after the holidays. How was everything for you and the uh, family? <laughs> the uh,
1: everything is good. Holiday break is good. Um, I kind of uh you know unplugged a little bit um but, you know there was like some sicknesses on the on the kids and stuff um running around but other than that it was it was fine
0: that's good you How's yours? stay low, low key uh yeah most of the same you know we have a at headway we have a holiday refresh and so we're off between christmas and new years and there's always the awesome. draw to work more there's always a draw to you know side projects things like that but um just really Laid back, barely opened my computer, which was great. Um, oh, came back awesome. to a mountain of, of emails after break, but that's how it goes. But, yep, yep. you know, good to, good to refresh and recharge and just exactly. be ready for, for the 2020. So Perfect. Cool. Before we jump in, can you tell us a little bit more about you, your background, and
1: um, how you got into design? Totally. Um, well, I kind of boring, but I got into design um, through school. I uh, started uh as a sort of as a computer science major and um you know uh, shortly I, I discovered that you know computer science is not really what I was looking for. I always knew uh you know I wanted to do something with computers. Um and then my advisor kind of shifted me towards this new major um in our school, a new program called interactive uh, interactive digital media. And that had, you know, three different concentrations, computer science, visual imaging, and then um, new media. Uh, And this is to kind of date myself. This is way before, you know, smartphones or um, any of these modern interactive devices. Um, You know, so I started um, there uh, as a visual imaging concentration. And that started with 2D design, print design, very traditional and went towards more interaction design. Uh, Interaction as in, you know. Flash websites and, um, you know, some HTML, CSS here and there. Um, but that's sort of how I got, my, I got my foot in. Yeah, that's
0: I think, you know, the, the more I talk to other designers that have been in design leaders and people that have been in, quote, tech for a while, you know, you usually come up through the unexpected pathways. Right. Like you, you get into, uh, you know, you stumble into something like tangential or maybe, you know, a lot of people got their start doing MySpace layouts. That's how I started learning HTML, CSS, you know, and then Flash integrating right. and it kind of snowballs into, you know, into a career that you find passion in and um, that's right. You know, can be really fulfilling. So that's yeah so I mean, it's interesting
1: to hear um totally and, and you know like what got me interested obviously like before school you know i was always interested in computers i would you know play games and you know as i started playing games i'm like oh maybe like i can i can create like a skin for this game um that went from that to oh this Winamp, this music player let, let me just make this like new skin for it yeah and then i'm like oh i'm actually really interested in this stuff that's cool and then i ended up kind of getting paid for this stuff which was great. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, what keeps you busy outside of work? Um, outside of work, honestly, right now, I'm, I'm a uh, dad of two. So, um, and I guess like dad of three, if you count my dog. So I, uh, they definitely keep me busy. Um, but yeah, I do uh, a lot of kid stuff, a lot of family stuff. Um, at some point, I started getting into woodwork, uh, which was kind of fun. You know, um, you know, not not super sophisticated uh, would work, but I would start doing things like uh, coasters or, um, you know, uh, butcher block like uh, cutting boards. Um, you know, that kind of stuff really gets me excited. Things that I can control and, and touch with my hands and create. Um, and then I'm also a sailor. So, you know, I've been sailing since I was eight. Um So that's that's a has been a big part of my life, Um, less so in the last, let's say, like five years or so uh, after the kids. Um, But, yeah, I'm getting back into it again.
0: Yeah, I mean, that sounds like sounds like fun outside of, you know, looking at the screen. And um, one of the yeah one of the things you said was woodworking, cutting boards, different things like that, coasters. I mean, what (laughs) do you think that that does for. You know, just creativity in general, like is it you mentioned control as being one of those things, like hey, I can control yeah. everything in this
1: environment, um do you think totally yeah, i mean it's it's um for sure like it's it's something you can like the physicality of it um is something that that's really interesting, you know, being able to cut i don't know tomatoes on it every day, um you know, like looking at something that you create is is pretty amazing, um and you know like to to kind of pair that you know, once we first bought our house, like everything I wanted to do myself. Uh, and I'm not a handyman at all. I, I was born in a really big city um, where you hire a professional for everything. Um, so I was not like part of this very cool suburban American culture where, you know, people actually build their own stuff, um, build their own decks and, um, you know, uh, do construction in their houses or, or change their electrical uh, outlets or whatnot. Um, I've always been a part of a world where, you know, you hire an electrician or like you hire a, a woodworker who would come in and, or a carpenter who would come in and do this work. Um, so I got really excited. Um, and, and I started with like rebuilding my deck and redesigning planters off the deck and, and, and this is like a fairly large deck. So it's, it's definitely, I, um, did more than I was supposed to do, I think there. Um, but yeah, that, that you know, like functionality of things where, I design and then you know kind of get to work on it and and create it and then every day i I walk on it and every day i look at it it's it gives you a little different satisfaction and maybe i'm so used to creating digital things experiences i guess and then like looking at them on a website it it, it is real but it doesn't feel real in a way Mm -hmm. um and and the physical products it's just so different Um,
0: yeah yeah, I've been, always been super interested in woodworking. I've never actually done any woodworking other than, you know, shop class at school. But it, when you see somebody, you know, I think there's a lot of people in design and just in, in tech that do like to disconnect from, uh, you know, from the screen and do something with their hands, whether that's woodworking or knitting or sewing or whatever. Um, it's just interesting to to think about, like, the solitude that that gives you, you know, and and how much... We're inundated with other people's thoughts throughout the day, um, right. you know, and different messages on the screen and advertisements and, and, and things like that, that, you know, wood gives you the opportunity to do. Um, there's a I don't know if you've come across it before, but there's a, a YouTube channel I started following recently, actually about woodworking and the way that her videos are crafted. It's almost like an art form and you can just tell um, there's so much care. It's called Jen's Mistake. And okay. she makes um, really mid century modern kind of furniture with uh, just creative methods of using similar tools over and over again, of ways of like cutting and stuff that you wouldn't really think of. Um, but it's it? like therapeutic to watch. He has it to like some lo fi music, and um, I'll send Amazing. it
1: along. But I'll it, definitely it, check this out. Yeah.
0: It's, yeah, know, it mean, looks like a high, high class finished piece uh, at the end, which is
1: Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I think like later in my career, I started realizing. Um, I sounded like I'm too old, like I'm done with my career. But, um, you know, (laughs) later in my life, I guess I started realizing, you know, you know, design is is just, you know, it's intentionally solving a problem. And and I started realizing, you know, every object around, like I always knew every object is designed, obviously, somehow by someone. But I started realizing all these little intentional decisions that people made designing this thing, um, intending to for me to use it and. You know, either I use it the way that is intended or or not. Um, It's a really interesting way of like communicating in a way. Um, And, you know, like looking at like, I don't know, like looking at, let's say a boat, right? Like I'm a sailor and it's like this beautiful like uh, sailboat and looking at the way that they they joined the, the pieces of wood. And engineered that is it's now gets me an insane amount of satisfaction um mm-hmm. even though knowing that i i can't like probably uh make that you know uh right away at least um which is like the the attention to detail and um you know like to to see like how far people have come um to create these objects and 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 sometimes like in scale is also like a really interesting thought process like ikea stuff i think you know mm-hmm. i think in the states like ikea gets a gets a not a great credit but you know thinking about the scale that they create these objects and and the simplicity of how they created them to to let like an average joe uh assemble them it's it's absolutely phenomenal like it's it's probably one of my favorite companies in the world yeah i've
0: never actually been into an ikea if you can imagine that
1: oh my god you're Um, in for a treat we just
0: got one recently down in, in Milwaukee, but yeah, the, the scale at which they do things and, and the fabrication process and, you know, there's the whole oh, yeah. IKEA effect, right, of allowing folks to connect things and, and set up. And I think part of that definitely goes into, into product design uh, totally as does. well. And, you know, and that, the
1: stores as well, by the way. Yeah. Like when, once you go into the store, you'll, you'll see it's uh, just the way they tailored these stores and, and create these like mini experiences. It's, it's just unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll add it to my list to do uh, coming up here this month.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about uh, product design. Let's talk about your experience. You know, where was your first, where was your first job, you know, that you were employed to do design and kind of how has your career evolved from um, yeah. one to the next?
1: Yeah. I mean, I have not started as a product designer and, and product designer, the title may have been around, but not for digital designers for a long time it's a fairly recent i think uh, maybe like within the last five seven years maybe um but um i started as a graphic production artist um and what that means is you know i designed design buy now and download now buttons um in photoshop you know making hmm. them shiny and and really clickable really uh, glossy <laughs> yeah really glossy um and then you know or leather it,
0: did you ever make leather buttons
1: Oh my God! Yes, I, I like <laughs> feel like I'm a <laughs> I'm a professional at it almost, um, and you know like that started there, and then you know went towards you know landing pages, uh, went towards a little more functional pages, more than marketing pages, and then um, you know my first job was at a gaming company, so you know I would not design the games, but I would design the the marketing assets and the graphics and everything to promote these games mm-hmm. and to, to you know make people buy them. Um, and then I kind of got enough of that and, um, you know, quickly realized this is not what I want to do for life. Um, and then I got a job at, at this super small startup called Fitbit. Um, and back then this is, you know, less than 10 people or so. Um, you know, when I joined the team, my technical like title was interaction designer, I think like senior interaction designer or something like that. Um, but then we would, we would basically design these beautiful, um, web product at first. Um, And then, you know, we would go as far as, you know, like, I'm not sure if you know the the very first Fitbit product that was this little clip. um, And that had had this uh, monochromatic display, um, like I think an 8-bit display actually. And and we would design these like little icons that would go on them, on the displays. And then the first iPhone came out. um, And then that kind of totally, you know, changed the game for me at least. Um, so, you know, I designed the very first iPhone app uh, for Fitbit and and that's where I started. I'm like, okay, cool. Some of these like little decisions that I make actually, you know, tie pretty nicely with the business. And that's sort of when I discovered, okay, so these intentional design decisions, they're not just, you know, design decisions, they're actual business decisions. And I think mm-hmm. once you understand the link between them, I think that's when you're like, I don't care about, you know, the official titles or whatnot, but but I think that's how product designers are, are defined as, you know, once you understand the, the business goals and tie some of your uh, intentional, like, design decisions with these goals um, and you see results, then you're like, you get excited. Um, and, you know, if you're lucky enough to, you know, be a part of a, a, a rocket ship, good company that's just taken off, that's, that experience is, is kind of fast forward. You know, you're, you get to make so many decisions super fast and, you know, some of yeah. them fail, some of them succeed. Um, so that's sort of how I got my, uh, got my foot into the product design roles. Um, but yeah, I mean, I worked with, uh, you know, for a long time, I actually uh, was self-employed. So I got to work with in San Francisco, a lot of, um, you know, really small startups, uh, probably like 99% of them you guys have never heard, mm-hmm. uh, went probably belly up. It's, before product market fit, uh, startups. Um, but you know, some of the big guys, um, like Dropbox and Pinterest and my fitness pal and Zendesk and, um, you know, some of the guys that are big now, but back then was really small.
0: Yeah. What are some of the, the core tenants that you think those companies had? Obviously this is a loaded question and there's a lot of companies that you named, but maybe, um, Is there a a theme of why you think some companies took off and some didn't and some were able to reach product market fit um, faster than others or maybe at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is a really loaded question. Um, So I think I'll I'll speak for for Fitbit, I think. Um, I think Fitbit has, um, you know, when I first joined, actually, I'm not even certain we hit the product market fit. Um, We definitely, we had products that were super backordered. Um, but you know, more than half our time was still persuading people what step tracking is and why people should care. And what is like 7,000 steps? What is 10,000 steps? Um, like a double sale
0: almost, Hey, you have this problem and we also have the solution to help you figure out if you're solving it or not.
1: Right. And there was almost no inspiration in the market like that. I mean, I'm trying to think like there's Nike fuel band came after, um, a while and, and that was very interesting but they had their like own formulas uh, rather than just steps um, like own, own like field formula basically um and then you know there were, there were a few products but it was never like super prominent and i think fitbit was early enough that yeah um, it created their own uh community and i think the community aspect of, of fitbit is still mm-hmm. like you can still see it and and you know when you go out just yesterday i interviewed a um a brand copywriter who whose uh, boyfriend work, works at Fitbit right now. And, and even her, like she was saying, she's like, I'm wearing a Fitbit, you know, not an Apple watch, you know, it's, it's, they created this community where, you know, they're kind of proud of what they're wearing and and tracking their steps and, and the leaderboard. Um, and I think that community aspect was, was really strong. Yeah. And, and I think like, sorry, the long answer is like, I think the community is, is what made Fitbit what it is right now is, is they created this as, competitive but not super exclusive community and and that kind of drove the the company uh, to success
0: and in the time that you joined fitbit do you remember do you remember what year that was is that 2000
1: maybe 11 11 or something Yeah. yeah
0: i remember at the time when fitbit came out um I didn't work at a big company, but my brother was working for a big printing warehouse uh, company here doing some XMPI uh, (laughs) on some codec presses and and stuff like that. But they would, you know, all of the employee engagement and healthcare, you know, incentives and stuff were tied to this little tracker that you don't really, you never got a report on whether or not you were hitting steps, but it was this tracker that, you know, you'd walk through the front door and they had uh, these RFID readers set up and it would pull the chip count from it when you, you know, got there. but really, you know, awesome. not giving the people who are, who would use that information to be motivated to do more, the tools they need to actually say like, yeah, I should go for a run or I should go for a walk or I want to hit this goal. Um, you know, I think that's part of the the traction. Um, just looking back that I saw Fitbit kind of take off is like get the hands or, or get the, the tools and the decision making power back into the users who are actually wearing them you know, right. more of a personal tool rather than a corporate
1: engagement strategy. Totally. And, and it was, it's, it was all about the behavior change as well, right? Like, I mean, pedometers existed for a while. Yeah. Um, generally for old people, but you know, it's, you know, the, the reason for pedometer is the, the doctor would say, Hey, you need to get some activity and, and you need to like know how much activity you're getting. And to create that behavior change, you need to kind of create this loop of giving feedback as well. Um, so for the pedometers, the feedback I think was was not existed existing um so you know you would still get you know you would still see the number of steps you stepped but you know no one is telling you you actually hit your mark or no one is telling you hey you know what Susan also hit her mark or you know you want to step 10 more steps from her her," or something Mm -hmm. Um, so that gamification also kind of worked I think at that time yeah
0: so was your role after Fitbit um did you go to Omada Health shortly after that, or were you kind of in between?
1: Um, I didn't, so there was, um, I did work with Amada right after Fitbit, but um, right after Fitbit, basically I started, you know, the company started taking off big time. And um, even though I was not the only designer, I was one of three designers there, um, I kind of was associated with, uh, as like the, oh, this is like the Fitbit's designer. So I would get, uh, in Silicon Valley, at least like I would get a lot of uh, hits on my emails, uh, inbound for, for customers, clients. And, and at some point, I, I decided I'm going to do my own thing. You know, I'm going to have my own studio. I'm going to work on my own. Um, you know, always wanted it. Um, so I kind of uh, took the leap and, um, you know, created my own little studio just by myself. Um, at some point, I hired a few designers with me. Um, but um, then, you know, Omada Health was one of those, uh, one of my very first clients um, as a self-employed person. Um, and and they um, they were back then at least like maybe three, four or five people uh, in like a co-working space. So that was, that was pretty fun.
0: Yeah. Any, any key learnings from your work at Fitbit that kind of tied into the work you're doing at Omada Health?
1: Oh, for sure. Um, you know, just, just so people know. So Omada Health uh, basically, um, creates these online programs, um, to, uh, to prevent, uh, chronic diseases. And, and the first one, first chronic disease we worked on was prediabetes, diabetes um, so we basically create this like 16 week program, uh, where people would log into their accounts and there would be a health coach on the other end. Um, and you know, they would actually get a pedometer, they would get a, um, uh, a weight scale and, you know, they would basically follow their progress. And within this program, the 16 week program, they would hopefully, you know, uh, get back, get, get their life back into shape and, um, and not have prediabetes anymore. Um, so the, the. Experience at Fitbit obviously worked for me there because, um, well, first of all, all these like uh, sort of like dashboardy interfaces that, you know, I've been designing um, definitely worked there. But also, you know, some of the learnings on, you know, how behavior change works, you know, how after each action you need to give feedback to users and this feedback should be in in a calm tone. It should never be super alerting um even if they do something wrong you know it should not be super learning so a lot of these learnings i i think played into it but I, you know i also learned a lot at, at Amada, and yeah. to the point actually later on i i joined Amada health um you know when they grew into this large company of like 100 150 people um then i joined the team to uh, to lead their design org of like nine or so designers
0: yeah a lot of uh, a lot of healthcare a lot of startup experience kind of leading you to you know your path today at at carbon health but we'll we'll talk about that uh in a little bit. One thing I wanted to chat chat through is just uh some pitfalls you've seen you know startups have and and designers specifically at startups and their design teams and how they they organize uh one tweet you had and I'll just read it off not the whole thing um but maybe uh we can chat a little bit more about it but um have been an interdisciplinary designer at startups for over a decade now. here are a few things I've learned um and then you kind of go on to list a few really really great uh tenants that you know we definitely believe in here, and I think that it's i don't know if there's one that sticks out to you specifically that we want to talk about or we can just kind of go down um but yeah, the first one is fast yeah. iterations over pixel perfection,
1: yeah, for sure I mean. Honestly, like all of these, let's read them, and I, I believe them kind of equally. Um, and, and these are sort of. Uh, it was like I think one of these nights it was like a, a tweet vomit <laughs> or tweet storm, I guess. Um, it just came out because um, you know. And this is the time I actually I was actually still at Carbon Health too. Um, you know, one of the common themes that I see is you know a lot of people um, obviously have experiences, and a lot of a lot more experienced people than I am out there. And you know, people write books and blog posts and everything. Um, but what's real is, you know, every company is different. You know, every company has a has a different team that's driving the company, and and those teams have uh, different DNAs in them. And so, I guess, like, what I'm trying to say is, these are the things, like, regardless of the DNA of the company, stuck out for me. Um, mm-hmm. And and these are the things that you know makes me a little more successful, I think, um, at, at what I do. Or let's say um, if we set a goal of shipping a product or, um, you know, doing a marketing campaign, these are the things that kind of pushed me towards um, doing doing a better job. Um, and, and to be honest, like these contradicts with what I have been saying in the past. And I think as I've gotten more experience that I, I started seeing the bigger picture a little clearer, um, for example like fast iterations over pixel perfection so my very first website maybe like a couple first websites um, portfolio sites my my tagline was pixel perfection mm-hmm. like literally it was just like pixel perfection and I really believed in this like craft of creating this pixel perfect interfaces and um, and this this kind of slowed me down like everything started being about that pixel perfection like I, everything is about picking on my front-end engineers on Oh this is off this is off you know this doesn't work this is you know the letter high, the line height is not good whatever um but the reality is you know we're designing something and and I'm basically trying to communicate what I have in my brain into a display mm-hmm. and and the final medium is is a display it's interactive and everyone have different display sizes different mm-hmm. devices um so so it is about you know you know have a guideline and and look good, but you know, pixel perfection is really not like one of those things. And and iterate. That's the that's the beauty. You know, the pixel perfection maybe belongs into print design or something, Mm -hmm. but um but not interaction design.
0: Yeah, something more eternal. I think I can resonate with that a lot early on, you know, especially in Photoshop before you had pixel perfect tools that would snap and vector based. You know what I mean? You if it wasn't pixel perfect in Photoshop where you spent the time to line it up and, you know, you're at like 10,000 percent zoomed in, making sure everything's just perfect, (laughs) you know, according to the grid, like then you develop, you know, it's hard to detach the ego from that because you spent so much time in every single corner of that design, making it perfect. Now you want to see that through versus like the tools I think today help you move a lot faster. And Mm -hmm. those things are kind of given, you know, those are granted to us where back, you know, back in the day, I guess not, not too long ago, seven years ago, maybe where, you know, I was still working in Photoshop. It's it's hard to detach from that when you spent. So much time you know, it's that craft part, right? We talked about woodworking and just seeing someone honing their craft. It's that feeling that like, I own this and like, I've been able to bring this up. Like we should see this through, but realizing that whether it's pixel perfect, you know, or the same at every screen size, doesn't really matter to your user. Right. At the end of the day, exactly. if you don't solve a valuable problem, they're not going to care what the line height is or that the exactly. the font on this is bigger than the font on their iPad. If it's a companion app or something, those just aren't details mm-hmm. that most people care about. And it's hard to being a designer. It's hard to detach from that sometimes.
1: Right. Right. I mean, I, I guess we're dating ourselves with like how many hours have we spent on um, half pixels. Right. You know, just like the, the goddamn half pixels. is <laughs> Just not working. This icon does look blurry on every right. screen. This looks um, gross. Why are you um, doing that? You know, now I think it shifts towards different things. Like it shifts I mean for designers, jobs are shifting towards, you know, now you need to document a little more. I think that's becoming more important. You know, you know, you need to create almost like a blueprint for for a product so so people can understand your, your decision making mm-hmm. rather than just the, you know, fixing the half a pixel. That's almost like yeah. expected from the software now.
0: Right. Right. And those are things that it's, you know, it's taking off of your plate, but if you know, like the one man, one man band where he's playing, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen one of those are playing like 10 instruments at a time, you know, imagine you had somebody come up and join the band and he handed one off, but picked up another instrument at the same time. (laughs) It's kind of the role of designers where we're handing off these lower level value things to software, to technology, to things that can take it, and hopefully climbing up the chain and getting closer to that business value. Uh, You know where we can actually get closer to the business we can prove out um really do a 360 on the product and how this is gonna improve behavior and improve change and provide those outcomes not so much about i'm just a visual designer i'm just a graphic designer i think you know those are two two ends of the spectrum that um yeah you could fall into and i think not bad if you are you know if you are a graphic designer and that's your job but if you're trying to be a you know digital product designer you need to be a little bit more comprehensive and understand what where's that craft right. within context you know
1: and i think you know this kind of is a good segue to the next two you know prototypes over mockups and collaboration over redlining um you know these are you know the the reasons the core reasons for for prototypes is you know it's the cheapest way to actually test your product in a way right mm-hmm. like not with users but you know like let's say the interactivity of a product it's it's the cheapest way to Kind of play with it and and give it to your engineers and the people in the company to to kind of get a feel of like what what it's really gonna uh, feel like and the collaboration of redlining like I'm not sure I'm sure you've done it as well but you know in the past we've we've been designing things and we would be literally redlining of like oh this is gonna be a seven pixel space this is gonna be a ten pixel to mm-hmm. the right um, you know I would rather sit literally next to an engineer and, and talk about it um, and. You know, kind of collaborate over it, and and now there are amazing tools out there. You know, there's a, you know there's the Figma's and Adobe XD's, and and you know all these tools are going towards um, you know real time sort of uh, designing together, collaborating, mm-hmm. um, and and it's been amazing because because this is the collaboration also um, opens a lot of doors. Like you, I mean, this is like maybe a blanket statement, but there are a lot of designers out there. Like it's not only. The people who have the title,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, designers are, you know, there's a your CEO is a designer. Your engineers are designers, maybe not the title, but, you know, they are intentionally solving problems and, and people have a lot of ideas. So it's kind of your job to capture these ideas yeah. and then, you know, obviously should document them, take notes um, and, and do prototypes and, and you know, kind of give them um, what comes out of this as, as like an entirely like, collaboration, collaborate, collaborative uh, process.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's important too in, in collaborating from a sense, you know, as you, so we're a lot of companies that are, you know, startups, they don't have a product yet. So we, uh, you know, kind of have this jumping off point design system where it's not so much redlining individual things, but, you know, you're, Things are becoming more componentized, you know, in design as they are in code. And that helps, I think, make that translation. And that's, you know, one of the other instruments that technology takes over is we don't have to recreate buttons over and over again or different components and patterns and things. We can rely on that and then focus on creating prototypes, you know, much faster than than doing design from the ground up, which is really important for a product team to move fast and learn enough, um, together so
1: yeah i mean engineers are probably laughing at this because you know that that is how engineering works yeah like i mean from the get-go right like before design systems or whatnot um you know a website has a style sheet yeah and the cascading style sheet is done for this so you don't have to repeat your code right um well we'll yeah no
0: no inline you know no inline styles yeah um let's see one of the other ones uh more There's design take crits. Notes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe jump ahead to more uh, design crits and less less design. More design, design crits, silo. yeah. It's part of part of the collaboration.
1: Uh totally. I mean I think we've all done it probably. Um but, but now, you know, as I've gotten older, I, I feel more uncomfortable, you know, when I'm just designing by myself. Um, you know, I, even if your team is really small, even if you don't have a design team, um, I think just like showing your designs, walking people through your, your thinking process and not just showing visuals because, you know, that, that 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 is easy, obviously, right? Like you can just take a screenshot and send it to people um, and people can give you their aesthetic reviews. Um, but more so, you know, if you're solving your problem, you know, walk people through what you were thinking, well, what the problem was, mm-hmm. what your solution is and, and how you think it's going to solve um, the big problem. And I think, uh, and, and the the idea exchange there is is what's kind of makes you better um and, and makes you a little more vulnerable and that's that's obviously uh one thing that designers are are constantly working on to you know kind of unpair from their work as mm-hmm. as their craft um because because technically it's just you know they're finding solutions and and work always gets better solutions always will get better um well when you think like you know if you think about uh design as art you know this it's if you think about it, your solution as self-expression, let's say, you know, it doesn't really get better. It's subjective. It's like you get attached to it. But mm-hmm. you know, um the the more design critiques you do, uh, the more you unpair from your work and, and uh understand that the solution actually has many more uh options that you can you can work on. And um sometimes, you know, like that's capturing that is is what really matters. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's very easy to to focus on, you know, your work and be attached to it. We talked about that a lot, but it's much better to see that traction and be a part of a team that's that's growing than be defensive about or a product that's growing and solving a problem than be defensive about, uh, you know, certain things that don't matter. It's just trying to understand the nuance of that where right. when does when does it make sense to be perfect and when is progress enough?
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, honestly speaking, like, you know, designers, we're drivers at some point, right? Like we're, you know, we we can't just drive by ourselves, but we need to, we need to kind of, uh, we're, I mean, I guess like not a driver, but like a a vehicle, right? Like, you know, we're, we're carrying these solutions, um, to the final points. Um, and, and we need to kind of get directions from other people as well at the same time.
0: This episode is sponsored by Headway. Headway helps startups and corporations bring entrepreneurial ideas to market and keep them there. Whether you want to bring a new idea to life or improve the one you already have, Headway can help through product strategy, design, and development. For more information, you can head to our website at headway.io. Through this podcast, Headway is excited to give back to the community because we all know a rising tide lifts all ships. So go forth and make waves. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Carbon Health. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, when did you join Carbon Health team?
1: Um, I joined, I believe, about eight months ago now. Uh, so uh, early 2018 or yeah. 2019. Sorry,
0: 2019. Yeah. yeah. So what? Um, what kind of stuff have you been working on lately?
1: Yeah, I mean, Carbon Health is is awesome. It's it's one of the not, I mean, it's it's probably the best company I've, I've ever worked with, uh, worked at. Um, so um, it was a cool story. So I actually was self-employed back then, um, and and our CEO Aaron um, kind of reached out to me uh, to say like, hey, you know, we had a mutual friend, and and we wanted to explore, you know, if I can do a project for them, um, project or two. Um, and as he was talking about the product, um, the product and, and the entire market, and and how they're trying to solve some of these problems. Um, I uh, kind of shifted the topic. I'm like, okay, cool, not, not to like change the topic, but are you guys looking for a full-time designer? Mm-hmm. Um, and and he said, you know, they would be definitely interested. And we definitely decided there that I was gonna join full-time. Um, and and the reason for it is honestly, it's a, in a way it's a designer's playground. And, you know, I'll, I'll talk about like the business and, you know, our mission and, and why Carbon Health makes the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a very pure, like, selfish design perspective, it's it really is a designer's playground. We have we have digital products, we have um, physical experiences, we have physical spaces, um, and, and these physical spaces with technology is connected to the experience, to the patient's experience throughout. Um, and then when patients go home, there's another digital experience on their phone that they can get back to, um, and there are countless. Interactions. Um, hold on one second. Sorry, that was my dog walking in. <laughs> and to, like, learn how to open doors now. So, um, smart. Yeah. So there's like countless interactions with patients, and, and these like meaningful interactions we get to kind of decide. And and from an engineering and design perspective, it's it's a super tight knit team. Um, we're really really extremely small. Um, to the point like we have three designers um, and one of them is like a, a lead marketing designer and, and the other two including myself are you know product and and I get to kind of touch everything in the yeah. company um and then we have a very small engineering team as well um and and we control a lot of the product and a lot of the the uh experiences um so carbon health um kind of like roll back and, and people will are probably wondering what it is. So it's basically think about a health clinic um, that is built from ground up, uh, you know, which means you know, it's not your your traditional mom and pop health clinic. Not that it's a bad thing, but you know, we we actually look at a lot of these um, traditional health clinics, and you know, we don't go in as a as a typical Silicon Valley way of like we're going to redesign healthcare and we're going to redefine everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually look at how it's done right now, and and we discover a lot of the inefficiencies in it. Um and this includes you know inefficiencies on the uh on the provider side, on the doctors, nurse practitioners, nurses. Um, you know, these are amazing. These are super educated people who have gone to amazing schools and 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 studied, just studied enough to, to take care of people. Um so we don't believe they're bad. We believe that the systems that they use are bad. Mm-hmm. So, so we basically create efficiencies for them. We, create, um, uh, we, we created, you know, from ground up the electronic health record um, that plays well with other systems. So you can, a, a typical example would be like, let's say you have, you have fever, cold, flu, whatever, you're not feeling well, you're going to an urgent care. Um, I'll tell you my experience. Um, uh, you know, I would go to an urgent care and they, they would say, all right, cool. Do you have your health insurance card? So I would give my health insurance card uh, if i have it if i don't have it i would have to like look for her and go on the healthcare side whatever mm-hmm. um and then you know they would sign me in and i would sign a bunch of stuff on paper i would fill in forms um and then they would ask me things and i would just like fill that stuff up and, and answer questions and then they would do like let's say a, a chest x-ray um and after all of this is done let's say they would prescribe some medication for me and i would have to like tell them which pharmacy I have to, I want it at, and I would then have to go into the pharmacy. If I want to check out my ch- chest x-ray, I would have to like, literally like, in my very recent experience, they, they said, hey, here's a CD for you. Yeah. And while this is cool, maybe for 2000, I don't know, six, um, you know, nowadays, you know, like you want to see the stuff. So with Carbon Health, this experience would be, you would go into a clinic, um, which you can already book your appointment, so you don't have to wait at all. Um, and there would be an iPad kiosk, and you would fill out that information, tap, 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 very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you would sign your consent forms, and um, you would go into the room, and the doctor would already know where you're coming from. Your your medical history already has the documents uh, on on their iPad, on their or uh, computers. And, and they would easily consume this. And within the uh, exam room, there's an iPad. Uh, there's a uh, Apple TV application where, you know, you would see all of this information very transparently. And they would assess you, exam you um, uh, examine you, and then you would take the x-ray. And literally, as the x-ray is taken, it goes into your uh, iPhone app. Hmm. So you can just tap and see your x-ray results. Yeah. Uh, and for your prescription, as you're checking out... Um, by the way, all the like health insurance card, you just scan your card on the app and it's done. Um, and on your way out, they will say, hey, you know, like, do you uh, would you like your prescription here or would you like it? Would you like us to ship it? And you don't even have to say anything. You can even go on your phone and say, tap, you know, deliver it to my home. And within two hours, some places in San Francisco, right now we're testing yeah. within two hours, your prescription is at your door. Wow. Um so, so, a lot of like inefficiencies we can actually get it out of the way and and this matters so much on the patient side, but also on the um on the provider side you know the one of the biggest problems in in American you know doctors and nurses and nurse practitioners is burnout hmm. you know these people are charting, meaning you know they're 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 taking notes about their uh patients um a, a ridiculous amount of time and for every patient and and we're making that a lot easier for for doctors and you know nurses and providers um so so all of these kind of come together as an ecosystem of uh of a healthcare like a health clinic it becomes this really um not really a bad experience yeah Then you, you actually can can you know, like with no weight you can go into urgent care primary care uh pediatrician um and everything goes on your phone so it's like a caught up health clinic system uh, that's kind of built for 21st century.
0: Yeah. Well, like you said, it's a designer's playground. You're really using that whole service design model to understand not only what are the problems here, but like planning, follow up insurance prescriptions. Absolutely. You're, you know, you're bringing that together. Uh, Yeah, that's that's exciting is now is this something where Carbon Health is like a specific facility right now, but maybe expands to be an offering in a model that other clinics could adopt like the
1: software and um,
0: like kind of like the saAS model and, and service model
1: yeah so we we've tried that um and early on in our uh, in the company's history but um the the reason we kind of shied away from it is because the um, the workflow and um, and all the connectedness of all of these um Touch points actually makes the whole experience. Yeah. And you know, once we give um, many of these touch points in the physical clinics to other, um, other health clinics staff, it actually affects the whole experience a lot. So we decided we're gonna build our own health clinics. So right now we have close to 14 health clinics in the Bay Area and um, Bay Area, um, Reno and uh, Southern California. Hmm. And uh, so this kind of differs because, you know, we we build our health clinics um, from ground up, but we also acquire health clinics that are in the same mindset as us. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of go into our uh, model and, and we find the inefficiencies there. We create the efficiencies and install all of our services there, um, you know, kind of redesign their workflow in a, in a way. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're kind of planning to do maybe like close to 100 new clinics. Uh over the next 18 to 24 months or so wow. um, so, so it'll grow um, and, and we know that the current model for us works um, phenomenally and uh, from a business perspective as well. so um, yeah, we're excited.
0: Yeah, no that, that is exciting. So how do you measure uh, how do you measure success and like business goals? Obviously you're setting up new clinics. you mentioned it's, you know it's a sustainable business model. Um, it makes sense uh, from that standpoint convenience is a big factor you know you can measure that different ways nps usability score like all of these different things but how do you measure success you know of both the design of what people uh, i guess the service design the entire experience with carbon health
1: yeah i mean great question so there there are traditional ways of you know measuring the nps is a good one um and we definitely you know look at them and um and we look at our reviews um the the thing is it's you know, we're, we're not really, uh, redefining anything. We're, we're kind of, uh, not reinventing the wheel again. So, uh, so for us, you know, one of the, the major things is to find areas to open clinics at, and, you know, we, we tend to go for areas that, you know, people don't have enough access to healthcare. Um, cause you know, our mission is to kind of create this very accessible, um, healthcare system. And, uh, and for that, you know, our, our success measurement, I think is actually, you know, every every product has has a different uh, measurement. So for example, on our, uh, you know, one of the numbers we look at is, you know, how many people are actually using our apps? Because we believe really, you know, using an app is gonna um, change that experience for you. Um, but then for health clinics themselves, there are different metrics that, that we look at. Um, on you know like how long is the wait? Um, how long did it take us to treat a, a certain condition? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like the volumes for each clinic is different. Right. Real tangible, um, like measurable quantification. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and honestly, like it's it's a uh, it's really not as it's, it's not rocket science. And and once you go into bricks and mortar uh, businesses, it's you, you kind of understand it's it, it is real. And you know some of these metrics that on on digital products we look at is. It becomes like a little light, lighter weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the physical places, um, but yeah, it's been it's been phenomenal. Yeah, I
0: mean, uh, yeah, because you can definitely measure the admin staff and time to input notes and make charts, and you know, all of that is value. I mean, it, somebody's getting paid an all in right. hourly salary plus benefits. Like, you can really calculate that and understand
1: how you're right. impacting. Yeah, and, and one of the like the the metrics we actually uh, try to follow the most is. Um, you know the amount of time our our, our uh, providers spend uh, treating people uh, and charting. Yeah. So so we want to really reduce the amount of time charting, so so these providers can actually do what they signed up for. You know taking care of people. Um, so so we're constantly working on to to find shortcuts, to find um, find ways to shorten that time to chart and you know strengthen and and make it longer to take care of patients. Uh, person uh, person person.
0: Yeah. How do you, um, how do you prioritize, you know, whether that's new features or new offerings, um, you know, that you're bringing to, to your existing clinics, how do you prioritize what kind of gets built by your product team? What gets worked on by marketing? Um, what are some of those kind of leading, uh, indicators?
1: That's, that is a great question as well. Um, so because we're a super, super small tight knit team, um, you know, we commonly, we have meetings, um, like let's say uh last yesterday um we had this roadmap meeting, which we do every two weeks, um and we meet our uh clinical staff. And you know, we have we we all use this like very centralized uh documentation um platform. And you know, everything gets documented, every feature request counts. Um you know, honestly, my favorite people are the the central support team, because um, they're they're like the face of uh Carbon Health. They talk to patients every day, all day. Yeah. Um, you know, talking to them and, and getting ideas out of them is, is amazing. And, and not to mention, they also join our meetings as well. Um, but then, you know, the clinical staff would come in and say like, okay, cool, you know, like taking care of this procedure, uh, it took us a little long, but if we did this and this and this, it would be a lot shorter. Yeah. What do you guys think? And, you know, we would come up with our own like technical, either there's a technical difficulty, but, you know, on the software side, anything is possible. So... Generally, the answer to them is like, all right, you know, when should we build this? Mm -hmm. And then um, we actually have literally one product person. And that is like a half product person and half designer. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have our CEO, who's also like a half of everything. Um, So he's also very product heavy. So we would all talk and talk shop and and talk about priorities and what we should be doing. Um, And we also have quarterly meetings. So, you know, we have our OKRs and roadmaps and, you know, like, the company-wide, like broad uh, objectives, yeah. and and sort of like a general path that we want to go that quarter, um, and you know we run all of them together, and and we come up with the, the perfect formula of what to build. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, when you,
0: it's always good to have that mindset of, you know, you're not recruiting doesn't seem like you're recruiting your users, the, the clinicians that are there are in the mindset of like, how could we make this better in the weeds, you know, so you almost have like this continuous ongoing diary study, you know, that you might run at other companies where, you know, we'll do that if we don't have access to people around the clock is like, keep track of what you, you know, what you've done, what time it was, what do you think could be improved about that process? But you ha- kind of have that baked in. So I could see you being able to iterate really quickly and learn um, from what you're deploying. That's, that's awesome.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. The, the close communication loop, I think, is is one of our differentiators. And and I often would say like startups or startups and bigger corporations, which you know who we're against up to here, um, you know, they're they're two different um, vessels. And and because I'm a sailor, I like water. Um, so you know, startups are are like uh, speedboats. Um and we can manure super fast mm-hmm. because we're really, really small uh where these big corporations, even though they know the right answer, sometimes their manure is a lot slower yeah um so you know we get to find inefficiencies and and kind of react to them uh in a in a fast manner right you almost imagine
0: a, a speedboat running next to a like a carnival cruise ship, right where you right. <laughs> one's slow moving but has a lot of momentum, but you know can get a lot of people there you know an amount of time the other one you can get a short amount of, you know, smaller amount of people there really yeah. quickly.
1: So totally. But, you know, the Carnival ship has, you know, 30,000 people on them. Uh, yeah. so, so we're going to get there. But, you know, they're, they're definitely, we're also looking up to a lot of our competitors and looking up to a lot of the existing systems. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. For sure.
0: Um, any tools that you use internally at Carbon Health that you don't think you could live without?
1: Um, yeah, I think Notion is one of them. Uh, you know, we use Notion for literally every single thing. And I am, uh, you know, like sometimes in companies, these tools can become problematic because, you know, the sales team might come in and be like, hey, you know, we only use Microsoft Excel um, and PowerPoint. And um, so so I try to kind of brainwash everyone, every uh, new employee of like, hey, we live and breathe in this tool mm-hmm. and document everything you do. Um, so it's been pretty great. Um, I think it can get better, but you know, that's one tool we can't uh, live without. Um, on the design side, um, we're um, in a polite way, <laughs> we're like a shit show. We use every single tool. Um, and this started with, you know, we're traditionally the Carbon Health was using Sketch, for example. And then, you know, when, we, when I first started, I'm like, ah, eh, you know, Sketch is cool, but you know, have you tried Figma? Um, and then we started trying Figma and then we tried Figma. And I'm like, ah, you know, Figma is cool, but you know, I can't design offline. Have we, you know, should we try XD? So now we're like trying XD, um, you know, count also like all the prototyping tools of like Framer and, and Principle and Envision. So we use every single tool. And, and honestly, because this team is small, um, we kind of like it. So you can find like one file for, uh a single product on Sketch and and the next version could be in Figma and the next version could be in XD. Yeah. And we all you know, are capable of using these tools. They're fairly similar. Um, I'm not sure if engineers like it, but um, <laughs> designers definitely, we, we, we like using every single tool.
0: Did you check the prototype? No, the other prototype. The other-
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean just yesterday I was like, hey, have you where's this like new file? I'm like, um, should be on sketch or Figma or maybe XD. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Check all three and come back, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned Carbon Health looking to expand, you know, the next 18, 24 months, that sort of thing. Anything else next uh for you and the team at Carbon Health?
1: Yeah, I mean so I'm actually not even sure if I'm supposed to talk about this, but right um so we, we have these so Physical uh, experiences are great, um, but it's also a little harder to scale, um, you know, because you need to kind of build and get permits and, and kind of building a health clinic from scratch has been a learning experience for me, for sure. Um, but we, we also want to we're, we're exploring this uh, traditionally called telemedicine, what we call virtual care for now and name TBD sort of. Um, but we're exploring these uh, virtual products where basically wherever you are, you can um, you can tap a button and, and be able to talk to your doctor, um, you know, let's say or talk to your health team, and um, and we're trying this stuff in, in different verticals as well, uh, which has been super exciting. So you know, one of them is I'm fairly passionate about is pediatrics. Um, so being able to talk about um, saying like you're a new mom or dad, um, and and your kid has fever, you know, being able to connect to a, a pediatrician right then. We believe can be really powerful mm-hmm. we don't believe you know necessarily virtual products is the answer to healthcare but I, we think like it can be a really complementary complementary experience where you know um you actually get a lot of value as a patient mm-hmm. um and also a, a model where we can actually scale that a lot faster on the software side um so so that's definitely something i'm, I'm very excited about yeah we're we're fairly close to shipping our first uh First, sort of like data products, um, and then you know we'll we'll work on work our way towards the the other verticals.
0: Yeah, the the virtual doctor visits uh, is actually on the homepage right now, and I clicked into it, mm-hmm. and I can schedule a virtual urgent care session in about twenty five minutes.
1: That's right. That, that's pretty. That's 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 pretty good, yeah. right? I mean, and and this is it's only going to get better. And twenty five minutes actually is kind of like within our metrics, it's fairly slow. Um, you know, you should, you should, you know, our goal is to do like within five minutes, you need to be able to connect to some, yeah. uh, your health team. I mean,
0: that's the difference, you know, for a lot of people for virtual urgent care is going from, do I need, is this something I need to worry about? Hey, I just, you know, saw this or noticed this, or I'm feeling this, like, do I need to come in? Like, should I, should I handle this right now? You know, just getting that opinion. Uh, exactly. I, I mean, or like, you know, we believe like
1: you should have your primary care physician, you know, um and let's say like you have your go to urgent care place, but let's say you're traveling and you're in Los Angeles um, and you know, you are not feeling well, you have fewer, um, you should be able to connect to the health team that that you were seeing before yeah. um, and get quick answers instead of just kind of Googling what fewer is. And you know, that usually doesn't turn out good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what advice would you have for startups or designers uh, looking to really reach that next level of growth or, you know, go beyond product solution fit?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I see prototyping as, a, as an extremely important tool. Um, and, and this is not just like prototyping internally, but, um, you know, creating prototypes and putting them in front of uh, potential customers, patients. Um, I think is super powerful and, and undervalued in a lot of startups that I have worked with. Um, so that, that is one, um, on the engineering side, you know, I, I stuck to this, uh, quote from, from one of my, um, one of the co-founders I worked with, um, that, you know, the market doesn't wait for your refactor, you know, and, and, and this kind of counts for design as well. The, the market doesn't really wait for your redesign. Like you're, if you're solving a real problem and if that problem, if that solution doesn't include the, the beautiful aesthetics or the amazing uh, backend code, um, put your product out there um, and and start solving the problem right away and then work your way. And at least on the software side, you know, for us, it's slightly different because we have the physical aspect of, of things as well. So everything we do has to be uh, worked into a workflow with real people, mm-hmm. real, you know, experiences. Um but, you know, get your product out there. It can be a small thing. Uh, it can be a big thing. Just get it out there and um, then work your way into iterations, um, making it perfect. And, and maybe not pixel perfect, but, you know, making it to the way that you intended to design it. Yeah. No, that's great advice.
0: Where can you know, people find thanks. you online and, and follow more about you, your journey? Uh, Carbon
1: yeah um so carbon is easy go to carbonhealth.com um and people can follow me i'm fairly active on twitter just watching um you know the, the weirdnesses weirdness is happening in our world uh, and commenting on them on twitter you can follow me at uh Karim, at Karim, kerem at kerem um, k-e-r-e-m and um, you can also go to kerem.co um, and
0: that would be my website Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. It was great. Great talking and, and learning about your experience, how you're changing healthcare at Carbon Health. Appreciate it. Cool.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was
0: fun. Thanks for listening to Seaworthy. Connect with us and ask questions on Twitter at Seaworthy FM. Make sure you subscribe. And if you enjoyed it, leave a review on iTunes. Sail forth and make waves.